I'm Joe Kane. I'm Sal Kanka. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and download our episodes for free on iTunes and SoundCloud. To the bumper. This week, we're talking with writer and director Tony Germanario. We're going to talk to him about how to transition from short films to making an award-winning feature. He's about to release his first feature film, Bad Frank. It's been winning awards all over the place. Yeah. We were lucky enough to catch the screener. I know Wayne and I watched it. You loved it. I really liked it, yeah. I think it is like a must-see, just to see the character development. I was impressed. And it does not look like an independent film. That looks more of a studio film. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we just had we were on the phone with him for a long time. I mean, it yeah. was one of the longer interviews we've had in a while because there was just so much to talk about. Um, talking about his distribution strategy and, you know, how much he made the film for. and how to build a team. Exactly. The cool part is he's kind of like us. He's like the same type of uh, uh, filmmaker that we are. Because so. he's Italian and from the New York area. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up right there. Yeah. Exactly. So I hope you guys all love Tony as much as we did. Check it out. Tony, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. How are you doing this evening? Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. I'm doing great. It's Friday okay. night. All's good in the world. Awesome. Love to be chatting with you across the river over there in Jersey. <laughs> so that's where you were born and raised, right? I was born and raised in Burton County. Uh, we have a big Jersey contingent on this film, actually. Myself and Kevin Interdonato, the star of the film, was from New Jersey. Russ Russo, Lynn Mancinelli. Uh, about three quarters of the cast and crew were all New Jersey. That's Excellent. great way to keep it in the hometown. So exactly. you don't keep no travel expenses. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's get into a bit of your history and how long you've been making films. Sure, uh, I've been making films probably for about six years now. So uh, my younger days, I was actually a musician, and I was actually a touring musician for a number of years throughout New York City and all throughout the New York, uh, the Northeast here. Uh, but you reach a certain age and have a certain number of kids that you can't drive to Maryland and do gigs at 11 o'clock at night anymore on a Wednesday uh, evening. Uh, so I wound up transitioning out of that into film. Uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, I wrote my first script and it was awful. Uh, then I wrote my next one, which wasn't as awful and it progressively got better each time I wrote one. And um, I was hired by a gentleman by the name of Choice Skinner to write a script for him. Uh, he actually had written this uh, advertisement saying, we've got an idea, we need somebody to write it. So I sent in some samples. I was hired to write the script. Uh, I got paid all of 100 bucks. So I was a <laughs> nice. professional screenwriter, so I was thrilled. And, uh, you know, we hit it off. Choice is actually uh, a New York guy himself. So nice. even though he lives out in L.A., it was, you know, the whole East Coast connection. And, you know, we hit it off, got along great. I wrote the script for him. It's still sitting somewhere in development limbo on somebody's desk in a studio somewhere. Who knows if anything will ever happen with it. But, uh, you know, we hit it off and I went to one of his acting classes just to kind of see. I've never been to an acting class. And if, if you guys have never been to one, go. It's mm -hmm. insane. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I met a couple people there, Brandon Heitkamp being one of them. And I wrote a couple of short scripts saying, hey, you guys should you know, use this if you want to use it for class or something like that. And he said, you know, why don't we just film them ourselves? And, you know, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. I'd never produced anything or been a part of anything like that. I just I just wanted to write. Mm -hmm. And we actually went out. We raised uh, you know, a little bit of money and we shot two short films over the course of a weekend. And, you know, that was really the start of it. Made uh, another short film after that. 
then I wrote a, uh, a feature film that we produced called uh, Wingman Incorporated, which is uh, a professional wingman falls in love with a professional cock blocker. Um, <laughs> uh, you could tell that was more of a comedic film than Bad Frank was. Um, but that was, I just wrote that one. Uh, we filmed it out in LA and, you know, I wanted to see if I can direct myself, right? I, I wanted to see if I could do it. And, uh, you know, after getting a lot of experience uh, from Wingman and other things that we've done and, you know, just getting a lot of input from people like Choice and others, uh, I decided, you know, it was time to, to try it myself. And that's when we came up with Bad Frank. So, uh, you know, I'd already worked with Kevin before. I'd worked with Brandon before. We decided let's do something really, really, really low budget. As sparse as we can, I think, you know, we can make it look great for a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, we were very fortunate. We got great performances. We got great people involved. And, you know, I, I feel very lucky that I was able to work with all these people and I feel very beholden to them. So cool. no matter what I do next, you know, the success, any success that I get is because of these guys. So everything I'm doing, I'm trying to do to help these guys out as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate in that regard. You seem to be very team oriented. Like you, like I'm looking at like your IMDb, and it's a lot of the same guys that you're working with, and uh, like Brandon yeah. in particular is one of them that I, I I noticed on there over and over again. Um, what do you yeah. think about like what is your philosophy on working with the same people over and over again? Well, I think it really helps you get a cohesive uh, set, right? Because especially for for Bad Frank, we shot the whole thing in twelve days, right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't have a good working knowledge of how everybody could fit together, there's no way we could have pulled it off. Right. Right. And it's funny, as you work on projects, you determine, okay, this is someone I can work with again. So I'm going to keep them in the fold. And there are other people, you know, no fault of their own. They just might not fit. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty soon who the people that you want to continue working with and that kind of fit the same model. Right. So, you know, I I mean, I I like to think I don't have much of an ego when it comes to this stuff. I don't really care as long as it comes out good. So I don't get the credit or anything. And as long as everybody's working hard and doing what they're supposed to, you know, they're 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 good with me. So that's why I like keeping these people close. And this is the way to do it these days. Let's face it. I mean, a way to make it big is to do it as a team. You rise up together. So you bring people who you connect with and you develop your team. Exactly. Look at like Judd Apatow, right? He works with the same guy over and over again, right? That's uh, that's what I aspire to be is like a guy like that who is uh, or even somebody like Kevin Smith. You know, he works with Ben Affleck all the time, even though Ben Affleck's one of the biggest actors in the world now. Mm -hmm. All Kevin's got to do is just make a quick call to him and boom, he's done. Uh, I bring Kevin up because, you know, we were fortunate to work with Brian O'Halloran. That's right. I was going to say he was in he was in the picture and I was going, you had the connection to clerks there. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) And that was I mean, you want to talk about surreal. You know, that's that's one of the movies that growing up, I was like, this is this guy's great. How did he do this? And then when he walked on set the first day, you know, I, I, I probably came across as, you know, someone who was kind of maybe a little jerky, but I, I really wasn't sure. I was just intimidated, you know, and probably more intimidated by him than, uh, than, than Tom Sizemore. Is, is this your public uh, apology to him now? Is that what this is? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've already done that. So. Okay. <laughs> but no, Brian's great. I mean, he's, he's really been promoting the film a ton. He's been awesome to work with and he's just a good guy. And I, I said it, uh, uh, recently to a friend of mine is like next project that I do or one of the next projects I want to have him back because I want to be able to you know give him more time to do what he does because he, he was he had two great scenes in the film but you know it, it was only a couple minutes uh, of screen time yeah. he, he yeah. stole a couple of scenes but I'd love to see him do more so 
That's one of the things that I'm hoping to get out of it. Well, we're going to talk a ton about Bad Frank, but yeah. before we get there, let's take a step sure. back into, like, you know, you mentioned you did a bunch of short films and things like that. Now, through your, through your career, how did the short films, did they uh, generate money? Were those income generators for you? No. Did you just win a bunch of... <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, they did not generate money. I'm still hoping to find a way to be able to do that, but... Mm -hmm. uh, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid out of Jersey, right? Uh, I, I just had to figure out a way to make the calling card. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It was, yeah. you know, you, there are all these festivals out there. And if you start getting into a couple of them and, you know, if you're fortunate enough to win some awards, you start getting your name out there a little bit. You get some notoriety and people see you a little bit. That's that's the only reason why I did that. Um, sure. There was this. It, it's it's so hard. I mean, now maybe it's a little bit easier if you get on a, you know, a Vimeo channel or a YouTube channel or something like that. You might be able to find a way to monetize it, but you're never going to make your money back. And, you know, I, again, I just did it because I didn't go to film school. I didn't do any of that stuff. I had if I was going to learn, that's how I was going to learn. So that's yeah. that's the only reason why I did it. And, uh, you know, money still money well spent. Sure. Your story is very similar to ours. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you can see the the guitars back here and all that I'm stuff. Very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> what was your instrument of choice? I was a bass player. Oh, like Mr. Joe over here. <laughs> I, uh, I got a, I got two Fender uh, Americans on the on the wall there, a five string and a four oh, string okay. right behind us. So, I've got my modulus behind me. It's all packed up, but uh, it's it still sits there for every once in a while. I'll break it out just to see how it's doing. Nice. <laughs> sure. Very cool. So in transitioning from short films to your feature, what do you really think, how did your process change or how did it have to change to go from doing shorts to a feature? Uh, well, for the, so for the first feature for Wingman Inc., I was just a writer and a producer. So I didn't really do too much except, you know, I showed up on set uh, and just kind of watched and learned, right? So Choice actually was the director of that film. And I just kind of sat on his shoulder, just kind of watched how he did things and you know, for me, I think the thing that I learned is you if you hire the right people, director doesn't have to do all that much. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all in the preparation beforehand. Right. You're going to set up your sets and your shot lists and work with your DP to do all that stuff. You know, that was that was a learning process, too, because I hadn't done it before. But mm -hmm. fortunately, my DP was great. Mike Hekanova. Um, But, you know, it, it's really just kind of figuring out how do you get the right people in the right spots? And just letting them do what they do. And, you know, just my, my process typically is I'll, I'll do a couple of takes where you just go, I'm not even going to say anything. Third take, I might say, all right, here's a little note. You might want to try this or this is great. But have you thought about this and just maybe guide them a little bit more? And but that's really it. I mean, if you're working with talented people, which every single person on our uh, our set was, you don't really have to do that much. It's just make it an easy place to work, make them comfortable and then the rest kind of takes care of itself. Sure. Very cool. Um, so let's dive into Bad Frank. Yeah. Give us give the audience a little bit. They have no clue. Like, what, what's Bad Frank about? Sure. Uh, so Bad Frank, it's, it's a love story. Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, where is it going with this? Because obviously I did see it. So before you start, I do want to say I was very impressed with Bad Frank. Uh, thank and you. like thank you said, you the much. team, I have to say the acting, every single one of them was so strong and believable. Yeah. So that's what really won me over. It's very This show is very character driven, this film. Yes. So it's really all about the characters and the, and the development of them. But I think that's where it started. But great acting. I'm sorry, but oh, please tell you. us about it. <laughs> he always likes to well, butter up our guests uh, before yeah, he asks the question. Very intense, right? um, the, uh, so it's basically, uh, it's about this guy, Frank, who has impulse control disorder. 
Uh, and in his younger days, he just messed up all his relationships. So he's ruined his relationships with his family, his friends and everything. And, you know, it's years later, he's, he's got himself straightened out, he's medicated, and he's really just trying to right himself. He's trying to repair his old relationships. And just as he's about to do that, he meets up with someone from his past who sucks him back into his, his bad ways. And Bad Frank is reborn. So, and you're right. I mean, it was, this film is all about the performances. We don't have special effects. We don't have any crazy car chases or anything like that. We've got a couple of fights that we shot really cool, but you know, it, it's about intense performances and yeah. you know, Kevin is about as intense as he gets. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, that's, and, that's tricky territory for an indie, right? Because you could end either end yeah. up if, if, if you could end up in a snooze fest, right? Because if the performances don't hold up or the script doesn't hold up or whatever it is, this is where you end up with indie that people go, Oh my God. You know, what am I watching? The story doesn't move, right? Your story obviously has a flow. It moves. It progresses. Um, the character has a clear arc, you know, and, and what happens to, to Frank and all that type of stuff. And we don't want to give away yeah, spoilers, yeah. but it gets intense, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, one of, the, uh, one of the cooler things about it is if you notice throughout the film, there really isn't that much music per se, but there's sure. a lot of sound design. So we have this guy, TJ Jacques, who did a great job of kind of mixing these eerie, creepy sounds as things start affecting Frank, right? So you kind of, and it gets stronger and harder throughout the film as he progresses further down into the abyss, right? So, I mean, TJ was phenomenal. He did a great job in it. And that's another thing, you know, in the post-production world that a lot of people don't think about, but that's all part of the team as well. Because if he hadn't done his, a good job in that part, you know, it, it wouldn't have been as intense, right? As great as job as Kevin does, you know, you have to have the audio with the video. Yep. And if that wasn't there, it would have been a lot more challenging to keep people interested in it, right? But when you hear some of these noise and you're just like, shit, what is that? Oh my God, you know, it's just, it just keeps the intensity going, and, he, and it was—it's it, such an integral part of the film. It's funny you say that because I definitely picked up on that. I'm like, listen, yeah. like it, it's intensifying the sound because we're all musicians as well, so sound is so important. But when you yeah. see it progress like that, yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, we may have yeah. to get his contact info because we having a good post guy is, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, all those guys. Yeah, he's great. He's, uh, I'll definitely, I'll hook you up. Cool. <laughs> the DP also very good. Like you said, it looked fabulous. The film looked great. Yeah. Uh, um, what was it shot on? Give us some of the geeky tech gear stuff. I mean, are you are you a gear guy? Joe's the gear guy. So what did you shoot I'm, on? I'm not the gear guy, but I'm, I'm trying to get there. Uh, we shot it on the red. We shot on the red epic. Um, and we, you know, it's basically just a two camera shoot. You know, it's we didn't really have that many takes. So, mm -hmm. you know, if we got three or four takes. Sometimes, you know, that was it. We're moving on, right? If we had what we want and we got a good performance out of it, it. we don't have time to mess around, right? Yeah. Uh, we actually, it was really 11 and a half days because we got rained out for half a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're, sh and we, you know, we probably had 20 to 30 minutes of film that we cut. Mm -hmm. So we were moving, right? And it's, uh, we just had very fortunate uh, circumstances as far as how we get it done. Did you do like, a... Sorry, did you do 11 straight days or did you mix it? Like, how did you do it? Was 11 straight days or days off? Uh, no, six on, one off, six on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the funny thing, I, you know, I still have a regular job. Sure. So I worked Monday through Friday. Our first day of filming was Saturday. I took four days off from work. While everyone else had a day off, I was working at my regular job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did another week. So it was all done in eight, you know, eight work days for me. And, um, but, you know, well worth it. I mean, it's just... 
when you're able to kind of pull something like this together and see it on screen, it, it was, you know, I was just stoked. It was great. Sure. What was the budget for a film like this, if you don't mind? And we're curious about, you know, how did you go about getting funded? Did you crowdfund? Did you go out and find investors? What was that process? No, like? it, uh, the, the budget was 80 K. That was okay. it. And it was basically myself and one of my other producers put up the money. Okay. So, you know, it was fortunately I have a very understanding wife. money, But we filmed at our house. I mean, uh, our, every single room in our house, the furniture was moved around. We, I mean, the final scene in the dining room where the, the big fight breaks out, we smashed everything in our dining room. And my wife was just like, I think we could use a couple more broken ditches. I'm like, good, let's go get some. We'll smash them up. With that. <laughs> uh, but it worked, you know, it's, it, if you want to do a cheat, like you said earlier, right, you got to use what you have, right? And that's all that we did. Of course. So what do you think in this process, you were the writer and director, right? Yeah. What were the pros and cons of that? Did, did you find conflict of interest being the writer and director? Do you, how do you feel after the process is over now? No, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, so I had the original idea for the script and wrote, started writing it. And then, you know, Kevin and Russ also put a lot of input into it as well. Right. So it was a, it was a, a communal effort and a collaboration in the way we did it. And from a directing standpoint, I think it really helps. Right. Because I knew the script inside it out. I knew what the motivations were for each of the characters in every scene. And it really helps you dive into it. And I think that's part of the reason Kevin was supposed to uh, was able to give such a great performance and Russ too, right. Russ Russo, was uh Nico right and you know he, he he just showed up and they knew exactly what they needed in each scene right so again it's all about the preparation and how you work together so for me uh I think I'd find it more challenging directing something I didn't write because I you know I you kind of have to interpret what the writer is thinking or what their motivation was behind stuff and you, know, you could be off the mark if you don't have enough time and enough preparation in order to do it so I kind of like directing my stuff so like the, the next two or three projects that i've got lined up mm -hmm. uh you know i'm planning to direct all of them so unless you know someone wants to just give me a million dollars to pay for it then that's <laughs> true of you course, know, other than right? that, like these are my babies at this point <laughs> yeah Very now kevin cool. and kevin and ross you gave them writing credit as well right is, oh yeah oh yeah right. absolutely oh yeah i mean kevin did a, a tremendous amount of work on it russ as well you know it's like i said i, I for me it's a team effort right no, we could not i mean if you pull one person out of this film i don't think it's the same film it is exactly, right so sure. mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter to me what you know who they were everyone contributed equally to this thing and make it made it what it is sure that makes a lot of sense and let's talk about tom sizemore how did he come how did he get involved with the project and what was it like working with him i mean that's you know named actor everybody knows who tom is so what was he what was yeah. he like to work with he he was great i mean He's such a nice guy. And, you know, we knew someone who knew him. Right. Mm -hmm. So we got him the script and he said, hey, I love it. I'd love to be a part of it. And, you know, we actually got him for a very good rate. Uh, mm -hmm. I cannot disclose. No, what we, don't wanna, yeah, we don't want to talk about that. You know, but you know, for an 80K film, you can imagine it wasn't that much. Right. But he did a phenomenal job. And the, the great thing about Tom is he's just a regular guy when he's on set. Right. I mean, in, in one of the scenes, you know, where we're throwing him around in the mud and the rain and everything. Or Tom, do you, do you want a mat? Do you want anything? He's like, no, fuck it. Let's just do it. Come on. It's got to be real. <laughs> yeah, you, know, cool. you don't expect that. Right. From, uh, you know, it, it, it's another person. I, I, I mentioned uh, Brian earlier, but you know, when we originally started the, uh, the schedule, 
he was going to show up for filming on the third day. Mm-hmm. So I was going to have two days to kind of get my legs underneath me because I'd never directed anything before. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I wanted a couple of days before we bring in sure. Academy Award nominated Tom Sizemore <laughs> by, you know, Steven Spielberg and right. Oliver Stone. And then, you know, the schmuck Tony Gervinario. So uh, he needs a little time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, he schedules changed because Kevin had something that he had to, to change around. So, of course, day one, first scene, there we are with Tom Sizemore. So it, we had a, it was a funny story on how uh, he got here to New Jersey. So we, uh, we had him, we had to pick him up at the airport or we're picking up at his house to get to the airport. And George, one of my producers, George Storr, he was on the uh, name patrol duty. So he actually took care of Tom. He took care of Ray Boom Boom Mancini and Brian O'Halloran when they were there. So he was in charge of those guys. So he was supposed to pick Tom up at the airport two days before we we're going to film. So he's going to pick him up, you know, I think it was like a Thursday night and then Friday he'd be able to chill and just kind of, you know, get himself prepped and ready. And Saturday we'd start. So I was working on Thursday, you know, my phone rings at about four or five in the afternoon and it's George. He's like, uh, Hey, Tony, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah, why? What's the matter? He's uh, well, Tom missed his flight. I said, <laughs> Oh shoot, here we go. So what, uh, what do we got to do? He says, uh, well, it's going to cost $1,200 to get him on the next flight. I said, we only paid $800 for the ticket. So I can't afford another $1,200 <laughs> right. to send him out here. So I called up Delta Airlines, whoever, whatever airline it was. I think it was Delta. And got this sweet little old lady on the phone. I tell her that my, my tale of woe. Uh, you know, we're this low-budget film, a filmmaker, and my mm. star is out in California, and he hasn't been able to get here, and I need to get him here. She says, well, is he stuck in traffic? I said, no, he's not stuck in traffic. He's sitting at his house waiting for us to tell him what to do. Oh, she said, so he is stuck in traffic. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, he's stuck in traffic. Uh, says, that's nice. Okay, well, since he's stuck in traffic, if you can get him to the airport within the next two hours, there's another flight, and we can get him another first-class ticket, and he can get in at 1 in the morning. I said, great, done. So we get him there, and poor George was supposed to pick him up at 9.30, but now he's got to pick him up at 1.30 at Kennedy. Hmm. And I told George, I'm like, listen, I'm staying up. I am not getting, I'm not going to bed until you have him in your hands. <laughs> don't text you. I don't want him to call you. You have to actually physically touch him in order for me to go to bed. So about 1:45 in the morning, finally I get the phone call. He's like, and it was just basically him saying, I have him. Uh-huh. He hangs up. So I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. Yeah, I only got about four hours sleep. There's a couple messages on my phone from a number that I didn't recognize. And I, I answer it. And it's a California number. And it's a, hey, hey, hey Tony, it's, it's Tom Sizemore. I was, I was hoping you'd give me a call. I left all my stuff in George's car. Can you give me a call? Oh, like, oh shit. What, what is this now? So I listen to the next message. It was two minutes later. He's like, uh, hey, it's Tom Sizemore again. Uh, just wanted to see if you can get George to come drop off all my stuff. I, I was hoping you'd be awake. I'm like, oh, my God. I called George. And he answers immediately. He's like, yes, I got him all his stuff. His manager found me. So it was, you know, one of those things where we're like, oh, my God, is everything going to be okay? And then when he showed up on set, he actually told us he was nervous coming on set. Really? I said, you know, what are you nervous about? He's like, you know, I don't know any of you guys. You know, this is I'm trying. I'm just hoping that this is going to work out good and I can perform good for you guys. I'm like, man, that's that's all I need to hear. You're in. That's great. He was fantastic. I said he did everything we asked of him. He's rolling around the dirt and the mud. And actually the, the night he was going to leave, 
he was done. He had another day that he could have gone off and left. He stayed another day just to kind of hang out and have dinner with us. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Very yeah. Cool. I mean, you, you can't say no to having dinner with Tom Sizemore. The guy's a legend, right? Exactly. He's, yeah. A true professional. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like. Yes. And there's that one intense scene that we won't talk about too much, right? There, there's the that really intense scene that he's in where it's just blood, sweat, and tears literally all over the place, right? <laughs> and I'm at, you know, what was, how many times did you shoot that scene? I'm just curious. Is, you know, was that an improv take, all Tom's on, you know, improv mostly? We, sh- we shot it twice. The first time wasn't nearly as long or as intense. Mm-hmm. So we shot it once and he, he, he came over, he's like, hey, Tony, I, I got an idea. Just, just give me a minute and start rolling the camera and then I'll come in. So he went outside and, you know, we hit action and we're rolling and then just boom, the doors fly open. He comes charging in and that scene, it, it goes on for, you know, six, seven minutes. It was nonstop. We kind of, with Tom, we could just give him the framework of what we want to happen. Mm -hmm. And he says whatever he wants. Right. Right. So, and he's just, he's spot on. Like he did this, I don't know if you guys caught it, but he did this, uh, I don't know if I should even say it. You can get in trouble. Um, he talks about something that happened in real life. <laughs> There's some research that he did for a film. Okay. And he, he actually brings it up saying that somebody else did it. Gotcha. And, but it's, he, he tied it to a, a true person. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he told me that. And I was like, dude, you have knowledge that I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so it was pretty fucked up. I mean, he was kind of, he, he's he's a good dude he's a good dude cool nice. well his his performance was stellar so i think you know that has a lot to do with uh the recognition that's been given to the film right so you've won 11 11 awards for the film so far i believe um, yeah we've uh, we've been doing pretty good been doing pretty good yep so that leads me to what is the distribution strategy for, for this film where, where does it go from here well we uh actually great timing we signed our distribution deal this week oh, so awesome. uh, congratulations yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, so we're just getting the date set right now, but it looks like in early July we are going to have full domestic distribution through Gravitas Ventures. Oh, Gravitas! So, I know those guys. Yeah, I mean they're big time, right? So it'll be on Amazon, iTunes, DVD, and then probably six months later it'll be on Netflix, uh, somewhere in that range. Uh, and we also work with Lotus Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So Lotus is our sales agent, but they're also our international distributor. So they're setting up all our international distribution. We already have sold to uh, the Middle East, mm-hmm. to okay. Turkey, and maybe Japan. I can't remember. There's three territories we've sold into already. So look out, whatever those territories are. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And, and did you meet them at the festival? Like, did you make your connections with the distributors at, at one of the festivals? or you? No. Uh, actually, we knew them so kevin actually knew them he had made contact with them previous and they loved the script from the outset so they were pretty much on board before we even made the film oh it was great. basically as long as we don't fuck it up we got a deal Excellent. <laughs> so, you know there's a little bit of pressure but not too much but uh <laughs> you know once he saw the footage he's like yeah let's let's go we can make this work and it's gonna you know we've been very fortunate like you said we've we've done well at some festivals and you know, having the backing of Lotus and now Gravitas, mm-hmm. I think is really going to help launch this film because, uh, you know, even though it's a small film, it doesn't look like a small film, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I think if we get it out there and people get the chance to see it, 
the, the proudest thing for me is just for the, all the performers for them to get recognition because they just do a phenomenal job and they all did it for peanuts right so I, I know the reason they do it they just want to work and act but you know I want to see them succeed and you know and not have to worry about you know having to take the hundred dollar job all the time anymore right of course. I'd love to see them just you know do so well from this because they, they deserve it Yep, and as you do well, you're going to bring them to your next project. So you know, it's it's you keep it in the oh, family. Up with them, there it is. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, what do you call it? the next project I'm working on? I even have uh, Lynn Mancinelli, who was uh, who played Crystal in the film. Mm-hmm. She's going to be the star of the next one. So you know, like I said, once I find people I like, I just want to keep them together and, and just keep working with them. So absolutely. Phenomenal. She was good, yeah. Crystal. Also, who played? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the female characters were great because they're those were definitely tough roles to play. Amanda Clayton, right? Excellent job. Yes. Oh yeah, that's Kevin's wife. Oh, is it? Oh, real that's life, good. Yeah, it's his real life wife, and ah. she was great too. And uh, oh yes, she uh, she was a real trooper. I mean, there's a couple of scenes where you know she's she's bound and gagged and everything, and yeah. you know we cut the scenes and their hands are all like ripped up from all the binds and everything and like you know i'm just directing so thank you very much for <laughs> using yourself like that i appreciate it <laughs> you got the easy seat right so exactly. um what are you know we're nearing uh the the end of the interview and all that good stuff and we like to leave people with a bunch of advice um what are two things that you learned from making bad frank uh number one i'd say preparation for whatever you do, the preparation is really going to guide what the end result is, right? So, you know, I spent months getting locations and working on set lists and shot lists and all this sort of stuff, right? So you got to do your prep work. You can't just show up and hope the magic is going to happen, right? You got to be prepared for any contingency, you know, sun, rain, uh, lighting goes out, you know, what do you do if things go wrong? So if you're prepped, you know, you can handle it, right? Because as a director, I mean, you can never show fear, right? You just always have to be calm and, okay, that didn't work. All right, let's pivot. Let's move on to here. Let's do this, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the one thing I'd say is preparation. Um, The other thing I'd say is just think smart, right? Know what your capabilities are and how you can handle them and and work with your team, right? So like I said, I guess we've talked about it quite a bit, right? Is Find the people that you can work with, that you can trust, that you work well with. And as long as you keep them close and treat them well, then, you know, they'll be with you forever. I mean, I, I'm extremely loyal to the people that I work with. And I like to, to think that they're loyal to me as well, because I've got people that you know, are continually coming back as well. Right. And I think if I didn't treat them well, if I didn't do the right things for them, they wouldn't continue to do that. So, you know, to me, those are probably the two biggest things. Very cool. So do you want to give the folks uh, at home uh, where they can find you, where they can find the film, how to keep in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm Tony Germ, T-O-N-Y-G-E-R-M at Twitter. Uh, Also the same on Instagram. And we also have Bad Frank Movie on Twitter. So you can catch catch any information on the, the film, myself, and all those sort of good stuff coming up on any of those channels. Awesome. Tony, thank you for joining us tonight. We had a blast. No, I appreciate it, guys. This is great. Looking forward to it.